You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Introducing the Mike Moore Ministries mobile app, your gateway to spiritual inspiration and godly leadership. With a host of practical features, it's like having a personal spiritual guide in the palm of your hand. Watch and listen to the How to Win podcast, get exclusive early access to the Answers That Work broadcast before it airs on television, receive uplifting and thought-provoking nuggets, and stay up to date with Mike Moore's speaking engagements through an interactive calendar. To download, visit your device's app store and search Mike Moore Ministries. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now things be in the God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Listen, I'm so glad that you've joined with us today. We're going to have a great time in the Word. A few episodes ago, I began a new series entitled Taking Advantage of your advantage. The theme of this series is the advantage that believers have, you and I, when dealing with the death of loved ones. Now, I was led by the Spirit. I was on a leadership track on my Thursday podcast, still on a leadership track in my on my Tuesday podcast, but I had a witness on the inside of me. Uh, 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 the, the Spirit of God leads me in these teachings, and I felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to deal with this theme of dealing with the death of loved ones. And I've learned to obey him because I don't know, maybe you're dealing with the death of a loved one, or maybe you know someone who's dealing with the death of a loved one, or maybe the Holy Spirit wanted to prepare you for the day when a significant person in your life departed this life. Maybe he wanted to do that. So I believe that I have been led by the Spirit to help you take an advantage of your advantage. The word advantage means having an edge, an upper hand. It means a better or dominating position. The Bible does not promise us and God does not promise us that we'll never have death in our, our families or in our, uh, in our, uh, our relationships. He never promised us that everyone that we love, all of our significant relationship will be permanent and lifelong. Never per- it's not in the Bible. But he did promise that he would not forsake us, would not leave us. And in our last episode, he promised us that he would not leave us comfortless. But he would come in the person of his Holy Spirit and help us to navigate the rough waters of death. So we've talked about the peace advantage, the joy advantage, the strength advantage, the comfort advantage. And then today we're going to talk about the hope advantage. As I meditated on this, I realized that what God is doing through his great mercy, his loving kindness, he's releasing to us information concerning our arsenal. 
The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not natural. They are not worldly. And even though we experience trouble, because Jesus says in this world, you will have tribulation, trouble. We have an arsenal. We have weapons, spiritual weapons that are available to us so that we can win even in death. And I love it. So let's talk about the hope advantage. I want to give you two background texts, actually three scriptural background texts. We believe that the Bible is the answer. He said to me in the early 1980s, the word of God is the answer. So all of our teachings are biblically based. So I want to give you three scriptural texts to uh, serve as a foundation for this hope advantage that we have. Ephesians 2.12, and I'm going to read this text out of the New King James Version. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he said in the 12th verse that at that time, you were without Christ, being alien from the aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He's speaking to Israel, the nation of Israel. And he's saying that there was a time in their uh, life experience where they were without Christ. And then he talked about them being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants, because God worked uh, in the lives of his uh, people through covenants that where he made promises to them. But what I want to highlight in this lesson is they were without Christ, having no hope without God in the world. They were without Christ having no hope and without God in the world. Now let's look at our second biblical proof text. It's 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I want to read it in the English Standard Version. And here the Apostle Paul again is writing to the church. But in this text, he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. They are grieving, that's the historical context, they are grieving the death of loved ones. And even though those loved ones are Christians, they are grieving. Now listen what he says in verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be ignorant. He's writing to people that are grieving, Christians that are grieving the death of believers. He said, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Asleep is the New Testament word for death, died, they, those who have died. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. He said, I don't want you to grieve. I don't want you to grieve like others grieve because they don't have any hope. 
But the problem that they had was ignorance. They were uninformed. And then the final proof text, biblical proof text for this hope advantage we have is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And I want to read it in the New Century Version. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong, it enters behind the curtain in the most holy place in heaven. What a powerful text. We're talking about the hope advantage. The advantage of hope that you have, even though you have loved ones who have died. We live in a world with all kinds of changes a world full of uncertainty, a world governed by fear, a world where people are struggling to keep hope alive. Yet, on the other hand, we believers have hope in Christ. We have hope in the world. The text that we read in Ephesians Thessalonians and Hebrews speaks first of two kinds of people. It speaks of those who are unsaved without Christ, and it speaks of those who are saved who have Christ in their lives. Our text, those three texts that we read to you, also speaks to two kinds of conditions. The hopeless, that's the unsaved person. The unsaved person have no hope because they are without God in the world. But the text also speaks of the hopeful, the hopeful. That's the saved. They have hope because they have God in the world. Now, let's look at these two kinds of conditions because you listening to me, you're either saved or unsaved. You're either hopeful or you're hopeless. But I believe that you're in Christ and so you are saved. You have God in the world. Therefore, you have hope. But if you're not saved, I'm going to pray a prayer with you and you can receive Jesus into your life today. Let's look at these two kinds of conditions, hopelessness and hope. Hopelessness is having no expectation of improvement. It's having no expectation of things getting better. You see, if you have no expectation, you're in a situation right now, you have no ex expectation of things improving. You have no expectation of things getting better than you're hopeless. Hope, on the other hand, is the expectation of a good and happy life ahead. It's the expectation that life ahead will be good. The expectation that life ahead, uh, you'll be happy. The scripture teaches that believers in Christ have hope. You have hope. 
There are two kinds of hope, though. Let me explain them to you. Romans 4.18 in the 20th century New Testament says that Abraham, with no ground for hope, sustained by hope, put his faith in God. This is a text, Romans 4.18, that references Abraham believing for the promised child. God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a baby. And the Bible says that with ground, no ground for hope, no ground for hope, Abraham sustained by hope, put his faith in God. You know, that sounds almost like a paradox, contradictory statements. So let's look at natural hope and let's look at supernatural hope. Because when the text says Abraham had no ground for hope, it was talking about natural hope. The Bible says, yet he was sustained by hope put his faith in God, that's supernatural hope. Natural hope is the product of positive circumstances. Whenever you have positive circumstances, you're just going to have some hope. You have the hope of things improving, the hopes of things getting better. In the early years of Abraham and Sarah's marriage, they were young, they were energetic, they were healthy, so they had a natural hope of giving birth to children. Now, supernatural hope is what brought them through that long period of 25 years, because it was 25 years before they had a baby. Now, supernatural hope endures when circumstances of life change from positive to negative. Supernatural hope endures. When things change in your life from positive to negative, guess what? Supernatural hope will just be sustained, uh, sustain you through that thing. On the other hand, if it's just natural hope and the things change from positive to negative, guess what? You're going to be hopeless. So now the Bible says that Abraham had no grounds for hope, natural hope. Why? Because he was 99 years old. His wife was 89 years old. He had no grounds for natural hope because the doctor gave no encouragement. The preg pregnancy test was negative. The mirror said no way. But the Bible says that Abraham was sustained by another kind of hope, that supernatural hope that every believer has, and he put his faith in God. That's the advantage that you have, that the unsaved person, you see the unsaved person, when their loved one dies, they have no hope. No hope. Why? Because the circumstances uh, have changed from positive to negative. But you have an advantage because the Bible says that the believer's hope is an anchor of the soul. You have an anchor. 
Let's talk about a natural anchor. You, you've been on a ship. We, my wife and I, we love to cruise. We like to go on cruise ships. Or maybe you've watched television and you've seen individuals on a law, on a boat and they throw over the anchor. An anchor uh, belongs to a ship or boat. It is a heavy chunk of iron, often in the shape of a double hook, and is cast overboard into the bottom of a body of water. It's there at the bottom of water, fastens itself to the ground or a solid material to keep the ship in stable position. Without an anchor, the vessel, the boat, the ship would drift out into the sea. Without an anchor, the boat, the ship, the vessel would be blown into the rocks by the wind. Without a without an anchor, the ship would run aground. Normally, when we come into a port on the cruise ship, you see these large ropes. They take these large ropes and put it on a pole, and, and they have a huge anchor that is dropped into the ground. It keeps the ship from drifting back out into the sea. So supernatural hope is like an anchor and it, and it does three things for you, especially so when your loved one dies. Number one, this supernatural hope, this anchor of your soul holds your mind in place. Oh my goodness. Whenever a loved one dies, and it's a significant loved one, significant, I'm talking about this is someone close to you, then usually you're going to go through a mourning process. And I've taught this in the past. In fact, I have a book entitled Weep Not, and I talk about the difference between mourning and grieving. And mourning is never forbidden in Scripture. It's healthy to mourn. That's the crying. It's an emotional experience, but it's temporary. But in that mourning experience, the Thessalonians weren't mourning. They were grieving. That's a spiritual experience. We talked about that. But in that mourning experience, boy, that, that, sometimes there's e an emotional turbulence, emotional turbulence, windy. It's windy when you have a loved one to die. That's your real close. It's very windy. And, and, and that emotional turbulence will sometimes include shock. You just can't believe it. It doesn't seem real. Crying. Uh, sometimes there's a feeling of loneliness. It, it, and sometimes your feelings shift. Uh, there's fear and sometimes guilt and regret. Uh, sometimes anger and depression and disillusionment. And, and there's this wind is blowing. And if you don't have an anchor, it will blow you out to sea. It, you'll run aground. You'll hit sandbars in life. In fact, you'll feel like you're losing your mind. Maybe you feel like I'm losing my mind. No, you're not losing your mind. You're just experiencing the turbulence, waters, and winds of morning. 
is very natural, but hope is an anchor of the soul. It keeps your mind in place. Secondly, hope holds your connection to the departed loved one in place. It holds your connection. So, so many people, they have false connections. They have unhealthy connections. They sit up and watch videos of their loved one. and They got their, their voicemail. They keep the loved one's voice. They, they keep the clothes in the closet the same way. They keep the uh, bedroom the same. They're trying to stay connected to their loved ones. But this hope... Biblical hope is connected to the word. First Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, listen, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to grieve like others who have no hope. For if you believe, verse 14, he said, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even those who sleep with Jesus, in other words, when a believer dies, they go straight to Jesus. They go straight to heaven. It says that Jesus will bring them back when he returns and there'll be a trumpet and a, a, a blast of a horn. And the Bible said the dead in Christ. That's the body. See, when a believer dies, the soul and spirit goes to heaven. The real them goes to heaven. The body is placed in the ground. But when Jesus come back, he's going to raise that body up from the ground. It's going to be a glorified body and it's going to reconnect to their spirit and their soul. And the Bible said the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain going to be caught up together, caught up together, caught up together with those who have died. And notice there's going to be a grand reunion. You've not seen your loved one for the last time. A reunion. That's that hope. The scriptures are confident one another with these words that my separation from my loved one is temporary. That hope keeps you connected to your loved one. And then thirdly, hope holds your God-given dreams in place. Holds your God-given dream in place. Jeremiah 1.5, uh, the scripture says that God spoke to Jeremiah and, and he said to Jeremiah, before you were conceived in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now notice, our purpose is established and eternity to pass. And maybe you thought that because your loved one died, your purpose died. No, no, no. God established your purpose before you were born. That's before you met your loved one whether it be your spouse or your children or your grandparent or your best friend, God established your purpose before you were born and before those relationships were ever established. So even though your loved one died, your purpose didn't die because your purpose was established in eternity past. And see, the hope that we have in Christ, it holds our God-given purpose in place. So this hope keeps our mind in place. This hope keeps us connected to our departed loved ones. And this hope holds our God-given dreams in place. 
So why is it that believers are never hopeless? We're never hopeless because we have an anchor to the soul. It's funny, when I looked at this scenario, I realized that there was a difference between a natural anchor and a spiritual anchor. A natural anchor, this chunk of iron is cast overboard and it goes downward. And sometimes that anchor will break and sometimes the anchor may slip. But our supernatural hope is an anchor, is a spiritual anchor, and it doesn't go overboard, downward, it goes upward. Our anchor goes upward. Our anchor will never slip, never break. It, the Bible says it's sure and steadfast. And then our anchor, the Bible says, goes behind the veil. Ooh-wee. I don't have time to get deep into this, but when God established the tabernacle and the temple, there were certain parts to that. There was the, the holy place, that first compartment where all the priests would go, and then there was another compartment called the Holy of Holies, and it's where the presence of God would go. And only the high priest would go in this Holy of Holies once a year. This tabernacle or this temple was a type of a heavenly tabernacle. In heaven, there's a holy place. In heaven, there's a holy of holies where God sits on his throne. And the Bible, and Jesus is at the right hand. The Bible says, our anchor goes behind the curtain. In other words, it doesn't stay in that first compartment. It goes back to the holy of holies where the Father is and Jesus is, and it goes behind the veil. In other words, our anchor is connected to the presence of God and connected to Jesus. And the Bible says that God says, I'm the Lord and I change not. And the scripture says about Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means our anchor is sure and steadfast because God will never change. Jesus will never change. So when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, we can hold on to that because that's connected to God's presence and to Jesus and to his word. You have a supernatural hope. And no matter what you're feeling right now, and sometimes when somebody dies, you have all these negative feelings. And I know because of my dad died, the man who raised me, I thought he was the greatest man ever lived. My mother uh, died who raised me, and she thought I was the greatest thing to happen. And I, since sliced bread, I tell you, when they died, I had them same feelings. I felt so empty. I felt empty. I felt like, wow, they're really gone. But the Spirit of God helped me. When I, my dad died, I was pretty much a baby Christian, so it was just supernatural way he was helping me. But when my mother died, I had information. I was no longer in, 
ignorant. And I pressed into that comfort. I understood that I had peace and I had joy and I had strength and I had hope that was not related to willpower. I didn't have to just grit my teeth, not try to not cry. No, 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 no. I had an arsenal and you have an arsenal that's not related to willpower. You can cry as much as you want to cry, but when you finish crying, I want you to start speaking the word of God. I have the peace of God. I have the strength of God. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. He's comforting me, and I have hope. I'm not hopeless. I have God. I have Christ in the world. I'm not by myself, and you, now you're releasing the spirit of God to help you. Listen, I'm out of time, time, but I'm not through with this series. In our next session, we're going to talk about uh, how to deal with the new reality. Because once someone dies, it opens the door to a new reality. It's different. And we're going to talk about that. Listen, I'm glad you spent this time with me. Go back to MikeMoreMinistries.org, and you can pull up these. You can go to YouTube and put in Mike Moore Ministries, and it'll pull up, and you can— I want you to go back and listen to this. The Spirit of God put this on my heart because there's somebody— needs comfort and peace, and somebody is going through some things, and God is also preparing you for your future. Listen, I love you. I pray that you have a great rest of the week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. <music>